Welcome to this episode in our podcast series looking at the approach of global financial regulators to non-financial misconduct and whistleblowing. I'm Duncan Campbell, a Managing Associate in Linklater's Financial Regulation Practice, focusing on contentious regulatory matters. I'm joined by three guests from our Hong Kong office, all of whom have financial services contentious regulatory experience in Hong Kong. I'm Andrew Chung, partner in Linklater's Dispute Resolution Practice. I'm Denise Fong, partner in our dispute resolution practice. And I'm Simon Indwa, partner in our Linklater's financial regulation practice. We recently published a review of the role non-financial misconduct is playing in the assessment of the suitability of individuals to work in financial services and of whistleblowing requirements. Our review is available on the Linklater's website and a link is in the show notes to this podcast. It addresses the position in 12 key financial centres around the world and it should be of interest to people in senior management positions, legal and compliance teams and anyone with responsibility for whistleblowing programmes. In this podcast, we will dive into how the Hong Kong regulators have been addressing this difficult and sensitive area. First, we'll outline the regulatory framework, including the roles of the Securities and Futures Commission, or SFC, and the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, or HKMA. Then we'll look at how individuals' non-financial misconduct is regulated. We'll move on to the regulation of senior manager and firm accountability for uh, incidents involving firm employees. We'll address some reporting and notifications issues. And we'll look at the boundaries, what is and isn't non-financial misconduct. And we'll talk about protections afforded to whistleblowers. First up then, Sumit, what rules and regulations may be used to investigate and sanction and report non-financial misconduct? Thanks, Duncan. So I think it's fair to say that the Hong Kong regulators haven't given as much guidance on this as the UK regulators in terms of what may amount to NFM. But there are statutory requirements on fitness and properness of staff, backed up by well-established standards of behaviour for firms and individuals the SFC and HKMA regulate, and these are principally set out really in the SFC's Code of Conduct in the HKMA's Supervisory Policy Manual, or SPM as it's known. Now, both regulatory regimes contain broad principles on fitness and properness, integrity and standards of conduct that are going to be relevant for ensuring that firms and their staff don't engage in non-financial misconduct. The HKMA also has a bank culture reform programme afoot, which is looking at the question of improving culture through a variety of different measures. And for those not familiar with the Hong Kong regulatory structure, when might the SFC standards and the HKMA standards apply? So the SFC is the Securities and Futures business regulator in Hong Kong, and so will be the sole regulator for some businesses like broker-dealers, investment advisors and asset or fund managers. The HKMA is the primary regulator for banks and other entities with a deposit-taking license. Uh, but in practice, the SFC and HKMA dual regulate most banks because they also have securities and futures businesses. We'll come to senior manager and firm accountability as well as reporting obligations. But first, maybe, what are the core conduct requirements for individuals in licensed or registered firms? There's a general power for the SFC to take action against the staff of regulated firms where their fitness or propriety is called into question. This can capture staff who do not hold individual licenses with the SFC. There are then more specific fitness and propriety requirements which apply to all individuals licensed or registered with the SFC directly. And when looking at fitness and properness, the SFC will consider character-related issues, even if they don't directly relate to misconduct within their role, 
And this includes questions of integrity, reliability, honesty and fairness. And what about firms that the HKMA regulates? So the HKMA requires banks to ensure that their business is carried out with integrity, prudence and competence. And in its supervisory policy manual, the HKMA expands upon those expectations and describes what it thinks is best practice. Several of the modules within the SPM require banks to implement codes of conduct and ethics. That, a lot of detail probably for this podcast, but just to pick out a few. Uh, module CG1 deals with corporate governance, including certain core and base values and standards for the bank. CG2 deals with control systems to ensure that managers are fit and proper. Module CG3 uh, describes the minimum standards that banks' own internal codes of conduct should meet, including in relation to ethical values and reporting responsibility. And probably the last one I'll pick out now is, is Module CG6, which is on competence and ethical behaviour of all levels of bank staff. And all of these are also focus areas of the HKMA's Bank Culture Reform Initiative. Yes, that's right. Um, this initiative really underlines how much of a focus bank culture is for the HKMA at the moment. I think on the on the culture reform initiative, it doesn't prescribe um, specific measures to be taken, but it does describe how the HKMA thinks banks should be thinking about achieving a sound culture. And that's really built around three pillars in the Hong Kong Monetary Authority's mind, uh, namely governance, incentive schemes, and critically assessment and feedback mechanisms, which encapsulates whistleblowing in this context. And presumably the SFC has requirements for firms and senior managers as well? Yes, they do. Um, so I think some of the general principles at the start of the SFC's code of conduct are particularly relevant here. And it's important to remember that the code of conduct and indeed the general principles don't only apply to the firms as entities, but also to licensed staff. Uh, again, to pick a few by way of example, general principle one, the first thing in the code, requires licensed or registered persons, again, meaning firms and their staff, to act honestly, fairly, and in the interests of their clients and, and market integrity. Uh, important, there is a senior manager focus on this as well. So general principle nine makes it very clear that senior management is primarily responsible for maintaining standards of conduct. And then the other bit of the code I'll just pick out here because it's particularly relevant is paragraph 4.1 which says that um, it, it, the firms themselves are required to ensure that people it employs or appoints to conduct business are fit and proper. Let's talk reporting and notifications to the regulator now, given its importance from a, a regulatory risk management perspective. And we'll turn to you, Denise. What are the regulator's expectations here? And maybe let's start with the SFC. Sure. The SFC expects to be notified promptly of certain information or events, and these could include instances of non-financial misconduct. So under the SSC's Code of Conduct, a licensed or regulated firm is required to immediately report material non-compliance with laws and regulations. There's also explicit reporting timeframes for certain issues, including serious charges or convictions, disciplinary actions, and any court orders for fraud and dishonesty. And the time frame for the reporting of these types of issues is seven business days. Dual regulated firms may also need to make reports to the HKMA as well as the SFC. The HKMA requirements are slightly different, but still far reaching. So in addition to a general self-reporting obligation, the HKMA's SPM requires banks to continually assess the fitness and propriety of certain senior managers, which we refer to as Section 72B managers. And if a bank removes 
a Section 72B manager, it must notify the HKMA and tell the HKMA if the removal was due to fraud, dishonesty or malpractice. And there are measures to address the risk of rolling bad apples as well, aren't there? Yes, there are. When a licensed individual leaves a firm, the SFC now requires the firm to disclose any internal investigations concerning that person launched in the six months prior to the individual's departure or after they've left. The HKMA is also in the process of implementing its own rolling bad apples regime. So many regulators are grappling with the question of when non-financial misconduct is or isn't relevant to an individual's performance in their financial services role. In the UK, FCA Director of Enforcement Mark Stewart recently said that the FCA is not a guardian of morality and focuses instead on misconduct that raises concerns about fitness and propriety, specifically to carry out regulated activities. He distinguishes this from what he terms minor temperamental incidents of misbehaviour. How are the Hong Kong regulators addressing this issue? So there's yet to be clarity on this from Hong Kong regulators, as, as with regulators in many other jurisdictions. If you look at the SSE's general principles that Sumit had mentioned, these are confined to conduct related to a firm or an individual's business activities. By contrast, the SFC's fitness and propriety requirements arguably go further, bringing in questions of reputation, character and integrity. The HKMA requires banks' codes of conduct to cover not just honesty and diligence, but also matters like integrity and responsible citizenship. So although there's been no explicit guidance, it's certainly possible that non-financial misconduct, so instances of assault or bullying, for example, would go to fitness and propriety. Thank you, Denise. And perhaps we can illustrate this with a hypothetical. And Andrew, we'll turn to you now. Let's take the example of a bank that's HKMA and SFC regulated. An internal investigation found, let's say, that Head of Compliance Sam has behaved inappropriately towards Junior Compliance Officer Joe. Sam insisted on sharing a taxi with Joe home from a client event as it was on his way, but Sam joked with the rest of the team that he was then a lucky guy and they had gone home together. And Joe also disclosed that Sam often invited Joe out for lunch with just the two of them to have career conversations but they did not discuss her career and the lunches made her feel uncomfortable. What action might the regulators take here? Thanks, Duncan. So in principle, although Sam is a member of the second line of defence and may not be individually licensed or registered, the SFC could still take action against him as a person who's involved in the management of a regulated firm, given his seniority. The HKMA could also take action against Sam as a Section 72B manager and subject to uh, fitness and propriety standards himself. In terms of whether disciplinary action would be taken, it's not yet clear where and how the regulators will draw the line in relation to non-financial misconduct. In this example, in addition to the nature of Sam's behavior, it would be relevant to also take into account that Sam's actions might breach general principle nine of the SFC's code of conduct, which requires senior managers to bear primary responsibility for maintaining appropriate standards of conduct. Sam's actions might also fall short of the HKMA's SPM CG6, which indicates that senior managers should be role models of ethical behaviour. 
Of course, Sam may also have breached the bank's own code of conduct. So that fact pattern might raise questions about whether the bank and its managers did enough to ensure compliance, um, including with the bank's own code of conduct? Yes, that, that's right. Uh, it's open to the regulators to review the bank's culture and assess whether the bank has adequate internal policies and training to prevent and address sexual harassment. This is where we really anticipate future non-financial misconduct enforcement to be concentrated, looking at instances where the non-financial misconduct indicates a systemic or broader cultural issue rather than isolated instances of lapses in individual judgment. So this actually neatly segues into whistleblowing. And on that topic, there might be less to say about Hong Kong than about other jurisdictions. Yes, that's broadly right. Uh, The SFC does expect firms to have clear internal reporting lines for regular and effective communications, and that includes uh, as to regulatory breaches. Uh, The SFC also reminds firms to regularly uh, regularly of the importance of escalation policies, Uh, but the details of implementation are really left up to the firms, and the SFC hasn't mandated more granular requirements, such as confidential and consequence-free reporting. Uh, Similarly, uh, there's the assessment and feedback mechanisms pillar of the HKMA's Bank Culture Reform Initiative. Uh, And this indicates that banks should have effective escalation policies, including whistleblowing mechanisms, uh, to allow for timely reporting of questionable practices uh, in a confidential setting without the risk of reprisal. But it doesn't prescribe specific measures to be introduced. Thank you, Andrew. And that's all we have time for today. I'd like to thank my guests on this episode, Andrew, Denise and Sumit, for such a thought-provoking glimpse into how the Hong Kong regulators are dealing with these difficult issues. If you're interested in reading more, then on linklaters.com, you can find our full publication on the approach to non-financial misconduct and whistleblowing in 12 key financial centres, including Hong Kong. And remember to share and subscribe to this podcast feed for more insights from us. Thank you for listening and goodbye.